You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 112, Speaking Wolof. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. This week, Awa is joining me to talk about her language of Wolof and her career as a translator. In this episode, Awa talks to us about growing up with Wolof and French as her first languages. She tells us where we're likely to hear Wolof used in Senegal, particularly in Dakar, and how Wolof is not just a language, but also an ethnic group. We talk about some basic grammar points, formalities, and honorifics in Wolof. And Awa tells us how people mix Wolof with French in Dakar and why it's incorrect to assume that everyone in Senegal speaks French. We also talk about diversity in West Africa, Senegalese culture in Paris, and the art of drum making and storytelling in Senegal. Big thank you to Awa for sharing bits of your language, culture, and work with all of us. If you enjoy episodes of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts and like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or a recent listener, you can now pledge ongoing support for the show on buymeacoffee.com or on patreon.com. And as you know, I wrote a book. My Food Zine of International Language and Cuisine, Taste Buds Volume 1, is available now for purchase. Check social media for the sneak peek inside the book and make sure you purchase one for yourself and one for your friends. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Awa. How are you today, Awa? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to talk to you about your languages and particularly <laughs> about Wolof because this is the first time that I'm having a conversation about Wolof on the show and I have so much to learn and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. How cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. So my first language is Wolof, but it's always a hard uh, question to answer for me because uh, technically I grew up with my father speaking mostly French to me when I, since I was young and my mom speaking Wolof to me, but my mother tongue is Wolof. Okay. Did your dad also speak Wolof or only French? Yes, yes, yes. So he did it on purpose because usually um, students or Senegalese uh, young children get exposed to French when they enter kindergarten, you know, where they, they will be taught in French. But in my case, my, my dad used to speak to me in French from since I was born. So in the house before I went into the school system. Yeah, that's cool that your parents yeah. decided to each do that. To so, have both, yes. <laughs> yeah, is that typical, or did did you were other kids 
kind of I would say I would say it's typical for um parents who are educated to to do that because it's it's just um it offers some sort of uh, leverage later to the to the to the child because if they can speak well French before going into the school system it's an advantage for them like they they won't go through that process of oh struggling you know through kindergarten and then through through primary school for for the language but yeah it's very much dependent on i guess the level of education mm-hmm. of the parents and um yeah and their willingness to do it <laughs> yeah yes so in senegal education is primarily in french it is completely in french so mm-hmm. you you do have you do have now okay i'll i'll amend that you do have um a track an arabic track so myself i did do um Quranic school where, where where I was studying, you know, both French and all the other topics, but also learning the Quran and, you know, Islamic sciences. Uh, but that was, that is very specific and, and uh, that was specific to some kids. Uh, but generally kindergarten is entirely taught in French and primary school and so on. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do people in Senegal also speak Arabic? Not at all. So, so it's not um, the people who speak it generally went into the track for, for Arabic, but it's not one of the languages represented in the population natively. Okay, uh-huh. it's more like religious. Like if you, it is more you... religious. Yeah. So, so my my dad come from a village known for known for the learning of uh, of the Quran, and uh, and because of that, I mean, because I'm Muslim also, and my family is completely Muslim, so uh, there's an interest in putting your your children very early on to learn the the Quran and also I mean it foster other things you know because you're memorizing so that really also helpful with your cognitive skills as a as a child and then later they will decide if they want to continue uh, putting their kid uh, in the in that type of system or transition into purely French uh, French school system I see mm-hmm. so Wolof is spoken mostly at home in the community with your family your friends etc etc and then french is spoken like where like in school and (laughs) so so wolof could be described as the lingua franca in in senegal more even than french so while french is representing uh, represented technically in the administration in school so everything that is paperwork is done in French. There's no paperwork done in English. Government work in French. The TV is mostly in French uh, for, for the news. I mean, you do have the news in Wolof. But then Wolof is really the language of doing things in Senegal because <laughs> that's the language of the community. That's what ev- that's what everyone speaks, including people who are not ethnically Wolof because Wolof, you know, for maybe that's relevant information for the audience that Wolof is both a language and an ethnic group. So mm-hmm. I am partly Wolof. So um, the, you have the native Wolofs who are called Lebu, Lebu. Um, and those speaks, they speak really the pure Wolof. I mean, today, if they spoke to me, maybe I would struggle slightly because, you know, the Wolof is untainted by, by French arrow. It's pure Wolof. And, cool. uh, but, but really the reality now is that the Wolof and all the other ethnic who's, who have a, another mother tongue will speak Wolof because that's what everyone used to do, you know, transaction, commerce, and uh, and just be in Senegal and talk with people <laughs> because anyone who didn't go to school won't be able to speak French. Wow. Okay. So it's incorrect. And I just want to say this for the audience to understand. Mm-hmm. It's incorrect to assume that everyone in Senegal speaks French. 
it is incorrect yes okay and and it might be uh they might have some notions you know because slowly i mean we'll talk about it later probably but slowly you'll see that wolof french words got into wolof you know and in dakar especially we speak probably i mean that's <laughs> nowadays the teenager who was born after 2000 probably they can't make a single wolof sentence without a french word in it you know oh wow so, so it's sort of it's a phenomenon of of uh language mm -hmm. that is normal i guess but uh but it is very incorrect to believe that everyone speaks french here yeah. most rural in the rural areas people don't have to they don't need it yeah okay so tell me about wolof tell me about the language itself what is unique about it what are <laughs> you know how how do we form sentences is it a tonal language how do mm -hmm. we communicate mm -hmm. how do we revere our elders our parents our aunties uh -huh. etc uh -huh. like give me all the give me all the juice <laughs> well, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely excited to talk about that because especially IT, I've taught Wolof now online for more than seven years. And uh, the thing is that as a native Wolof speaker, we don't really learn, you know, the linguistics behind it. So mm -hmm. it's only when I started learning that I went myself to 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 teach myself, you know, the how that what's the language structure, what's the syntax, what's the phonology behind it. And uh, so when I when I went, you know, onto my quest to know more about this language, it's it's truly a beautiful language. Nothing like um, doesn't look like anything else that I know. You know, in terms, of, I know some some languages structurally, and it's not similar to the structure of French or English or German or Russian. I guess it's like it's very it's not a tonal language such as can. Cantonese or, or Mandarin or Thai, it's um it's a language that functions with the with the Latin script, though it used to be written with the Arab Arab script too. And might oh. be yes, yes, it used to be. So the structure, it's I don't know how I would be explained it for people to see it with their eyes, but <laughs> basically they we have all these different verbal systems. So when I, for example, if I want to say um, something and highlight an information, there is a verbal system I can use to highlight an information. Um, for example, if I want to say my name is Awa, I can say Mangi to do Awa, or I can say Awa La to do. I mean, technically, both of these sentences means uh, I am called Awa. However, Mangi to do Awa put more focus on the verb because Mangi, outside of this example, Mangi is used mostly when we're describing something going on. So it's more the actuality or the, the time of the action that is more relevant. However, when I use another verbal system with, with la, you know, um, our la to do or marse, lie them, I'm going to the market, I'm putting the focus on the information, what appear first. So when I say our la to do, I'm saying my name is our, not El, not Fatu, not Aminata. It is our. If I say Marcelai them, I'm putting the emphasis on Marseille. I'm going to the market, not to the bank, not to, to this other place. Oh, I see. So, so yeah, depending on the verbal system you leverage, um, um, it's very interesting uh, what you're going to highlight. Sometimes you're going to highlight the time. This is not exclusive to Wolof, by the way, because many languages have ways, linguistic ways to do this. But in Wolof, it's the verbal systems that do it. And more interesting, the verb almost never change. You see, as in English, I work, she works. Mm -hmm. uh, or in French, uh, uh, you know, they, they will have an S or in the future it will have a suffix added to it. In one of the verb usually would remain as it is and then you'll have this object to pronounce like when I say nakanga to do nga la you know lanyu ngen some of these pronouns that will change and through the change of those pronouns we can reflect verbal change and person change. 
like so it's it's very structurally very interesting to 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 study that's all i can say without drowning the audience <laughs> into grammar <laughs> how do we distinguish past from present from future in wolof so you technically you have different tenses if i could call them like that though it is inaccurate to call them like that as i said i, I call them personally verbal systems because they work more as as a structure to itself rather than a tense that you would add or remove so we have for example if i say um dem na that's i went but dina dem is i will go this is two ways to doing it so technically you'd be like oh dina dem is the future and dem na uh, is the is the past however with another structure for example if i say marse la them that's i went to the market but marse lai them i will go to the market oh, so okay. you see only the middle word changed from la to lai and that was enough one letter to reflect the future and when i teach it to my students i teach it usually in terms of um accomplish and unaccomplished so what is done yet completed static never changes versus what is incomplete hasn't happened yet or is a plan will happen in the future kind of that's the that's the the way to see it structurally okay how about when we're talking to prominent people in the community or we're mm -hmm. talking to elders even like our parents or our siblings is there any significant ways that we talk to family or we talk to um you know <laughs> teachers priests etc <laughs> so so um linguistically the, the level of formalities do not work as in french like where you have the tu and vous and if you mess it up people will probably not talk to you <gasps> yeah uh, I, i'm, I'm <laughs> throwing shade i'm throwing shade at french for this because i do not like i i don't like uh too much formality i i think it's a barrier to communication but um but formality does exist in in wolof in in the form of different expressions so when i'm gonna greet you to say how are you doing we have our generic salam which applies to everyone, you know, doesn't affect really formality levels. When I say nangadef, nangendef, you know, which probably people who are familiar with Wolof will know, that's the first sentence they learn. How are you? That also doesn't have really formality attached to it. It's respectful for both groups. Okay. However, when I say lubes, which is a sort of WhatsApp, that I can't say really to an old person because though though it means what's up, what's new, I, I can't really say it. It's more of a youngster way to to. To, to say you know it's like just like you wouldn't go to your professor at the university and be like yo what's up you know like that just, <laughs> just doesn't work so so we have different expressions okay. that you would use maybe if i'm talking to, to the elderly i would greet them by saying oh you know how's the health how's the family oh i hope you you are in peace or something like that and maybe when i'm talking to a younger person i'll more say things like oh what's up or what's popping or something like that in the okay that's where formality is not in the form of 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 you versus the you format. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Yes. And I and I like what you said that formality is you you feel like formality is a barrier to communication and in a certain way yeah i'm not i'm not saying that um we we should i mean everyone should be called the same obviously there is you know a form of respect attached to formality but for example the way it is in french when when somebody talk to, to, talk to me and tell me vous immediately i feel there's a barrier that that ha appears out of nowhere between us and i feel like oh my god now i have to be careful what i say i have to be you know it's it's I just know. it's an obstacle to to speaking to my opinion <laughs> it's so funny because like i think i told you this i'm learning french um yes. i'm 
I've been learning French for many years, but I've recent I've been serious about it for the past year and a half. And it's like when I try, I realize two things. Like one, when someone says voo to me, I'm like, oh God, they oh don't my want God, to be my friend. <laughs> like, what did I do? And then yes. I try to get back on their two side. Like I wanna <laughs> Yes. I think every time my second sentence after somebody calls me voo is like, oh my God, you can use you, you know, no need to 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 right. what you call the <laughs> Yeah. But then yes. the second thing I realized is that um because I've been learning French so informally and I've, you know, I've been having conversation with, with a French speaker once a week and we're friendly. So we use two. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, if I go to a French speaking country, I'm probably going to upset some people because I don't remember the VU form. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I'm just trying to ask somebody something quickly, like, do you have the time or do you, you know, do you know which way this train is going? And I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna I don't remember the VU form <laughs> to ask them how and uh. Well something something can make you feel better is that like probably you will be forgiven because they will hear. I mean if you do have an accent in, in French, they will hear that you're probably American and and you're you get a pass, I guess, in this in this case. Now I wouldn't be forgiven so much if I did it myself because because I'm a Francophone speaker. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Francophone, but uh yeah, no, I, I I get what you're saying totally. Like it's it really it's for the that's where English is really nice because it's pragmatic. You know, there's no such things for when you need to ask for the time. But I also don't think it's such a burden to to French speakers generally because mm. it's it's if they're native in the language, it's just natural for them. It doesn't cost them any any effort. And maybe my opinion is definitely uh, biased by the fact that. You know, I know how formality look like in different languages, and and because of that, I I can definitely feel that in French, it's a burden for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like relief that yeah. if it's a burden for a French speaker, then <laughs> I I will feel less bad about it because yes. it's clearly not my fault. Um, but let's let's go back to Senegal. Um, what you know, Senegal is multilingual, and there are so many languages spoken, not just the French. But um, mm-hmm. when we're talking about Wolof, and maybe you know, maybe we can narrow this down to Dakar. But how do you notice communication? Like like. Do you notice people, well, you kind of touch on this a little bit, but like, how do people mix the Wolof and the French? And mm-hmm, and what is it, like, I'm always so curious, like, what does it sound like? Like, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm walking through Dakar, like, I just, I can imagine what it would sound like. And, but just like, what does it sound like? What am I hearing? <laughs> what languages am I hearing? And, and how are people using Wolof and French together or separately? The closest um, equivalent to, to this phenomenon I can find is the Spanglish phenomenon, where okay. people mix Spanish and English, and, and it's not that they create new words, because here's a, there's a big difference between what's happening in, in Cote d'Ivoire, for example, Ivory Coast, but technically Cote d'Ivoire, but Cote d'Ivoire, um, yeah. yes, uh, what happened in Cote d'Ivoire and compared to Senegal, because in, in, in the French in, in Cote d'Ivoire, they've literally created some words you know that became part some of them added to the french uh dictionaries because they they've captured some phenomenon and created new words that literally were not french in the first place i didn't know that that, yes that's a different phenomenon in senegal it's more like spanglish where uh english um english words uh french words find their way into 
uh, well, of sentences. So for example, um, let me think, what would we say? Like they will say, oh, Magi dem marche or, um, or oh, un journal télévisé or like, or, or for example, for money, like, uh, oh, 500, 500 francs or something like that. Even though we do have our numbers, numbers is a good example. Mm. We have numbers in Wolof clearly but the counting and the money system in Wolof is so tedious because you need to multiply by five and do all these things I mean it's it's tedious for me probably because I'm very bad at math but, <laughs> but it's, it's, there's an advantage into into using it I actually advocate for that I, I would rather we teach our kids uh, math in Wolof because uh, just there's there's an element there's an added advantage to learn those concepts in your in your mother tongues you don't need to do a double translation in your head i mean but that said aside um really it's like um people will use the the french numbers because it's more straightforward in mm. in their head when they're buying stuff and that would be still understood in the rural areas um or another example that i could find is like sava sava you know oh salam alaikum oh sava sava like sava you know so we do have mangifi or jamrek but we would say oh sava um and and generally, it's really the young generation. I mean, I'm talking to the, about the young generation as if I was not young myself, but <laughs> it's really people, I guess, the last two, three generations, um, not even two, three, the, the generation of my parents is, yes, they have been influenced by French, but not so much that it's really the last generation where they will mix both and there are many reasons for it. Now, here's the part where it's an opinion. I don't want to receive any shade from Senegalese people afterwards, but I think most of it is related to that French might make you sound educated, which is unfortunate mm. because, you know, speaking French or not has nothing to do with, with education as a general term, you know, it, it has something to do with formal education as we understand it uh, in a school system, but that has nothing to say about the, uh, the intelligence of a person or their resourcefulness or something else however because there was at some point a really i don't know if it's a political effort or or just a societal phenomenon of you know speaking french and especially speaking in the french way make you sound more educated so if you do have an uh, accent or you kind of it's it would be the same in anglophone countries that were colonized too that if they have an accent wishes if you speak like a british or an american person mm-hmm. one of them will signal a higher level of education or traveling or something like that and so this is a cultural capital that people want to bank on and um and so they would make an effort to speak it this way or you know include it in Wolof or, or it's just the way they learned to speak it if their parents were, were speaking it that way uh well it's only natural that they they also have remnants of that so those those are my hypotheses for why people will force themselves I remember when I was in in high um in primary school there's this thing I don't know how to call it in French it's we used to call it symbol but like it's a it's a sort of a bone that you have to where if you speak Wolof in class I know it's so scandalous why but but it's this is the truth I'm not lying like we we had to wear if you accidentally said a word in Wolof you had to to wear that or it's a punishment you know it's yeah so, so weird and if I'm not mistaken that's the same that happens in some countries in the world for autochthonous languages so when you when you when there's an autochthonous language and a colonizer language then 
um, and because that's what's used in the school, there's an effort to, to make the other language disappear, you know, in the mm. school system. So when I was in school, I mean, I didn't think of it when I was in primary school because primary school brain. But now that I have perspective, uh, I'm like, wow, that is quite scandalous to to, to punish. Scandalous. You know? So like, what was it like? It was a bone. It's you like said. a bone attached to a rope and you have to wear it around your neck. And that was signal. I know. So, <laughs> so it's humiliating, you know. It is humiliating. Your 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 mother tongue. I, I don't I'm not saying that, you know, the the teachers uh during that time had in mind to to humiliate the the, the student. It's more of a correction thing. It's like when you're you're but but yeah, I don't think they had the intention of humiliating the the students, but nevertheless the effect was that it was humiliating and especially um showing clearly that oh you're here here we only speak french and now no place for your mother tongue and that has changed though that has oh, changed. i was just gonna ask if you know if they still do that or uh, i haven't set a foot in, in a long time in a primary school but <laughs> i i would doubt if that would would fly because what i've noticed is that um especially in the expat community uh when we're far away from our um our homes you know senegal we tend to give more value to our culture you know because right. you have the nostalgia and and all of that so um myself i mean it showed like i just had a renewed interest in my own language my own culture and whenever i go i try to advocate for it you know to make more people know about it and i've seen the same trend in most of expats unless they they just don't want to do it they they usually they will they will have an attitude of defending their language etc and i could barely see them tolerating you know their children going through that type of thing and mm. also generally the wind has turned a little bit where people understand oh you know there's some value in our languages why should we put them down and and so there are more and more books written in wolof more and more shows made in wolof more and more yeah really really active and just me teaching i mean i teach i think when i was teaching on italki they sent me at some point um a message telling me um you've talked to i don't know 100 something nationalities and i was oh like oh my god, god. there were so many nationalities interested in 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 wolof and some of them just a curiosity of an african language some of them you know because they have some ties to senegal or many senegalese who were not born in senegal mm. so just this general phenomenon and who I've been teaching shows me that the wind has turned. I love to hear that. (laughs) I love to hear that so much. Um, Tell me about Wolof in spoken in Senegal and maybe other places where Wolof is spoken, like Mauritania. Mm -hmm. Do you notice any different, do you notice the, well, if you've had exposure to people Mm -hmm, outside mm -hmm. of Senegal who speak Wolof, I have, um, yeah. Have you um, so, noticed it change at all? So for Mauritania, I wouldn't be able to say because just I haven't interacted with uh, Mauritanians much. But um, the best example I have is Gambian. Gambian Wolof is 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 quite different. We even they murdered some of our dishes and started calling them <laughs> differently. I know when somebody don't start no scandals <laughs> here, Alma. Yeah, don't start no fight between Gambians. No, like I I love Gambians actually, but um, it's um yeah, there's 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 a difference um. It's a variant of Wolof in 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 Gambia, uh, though it's t- technically you know the the same population, but it's the same you would see a little bit in the south of Senegal. So I think it's more of like that divide that that is Gambia is within Senegal, um, and uh, I teach Gambians who wants to learn Wolof, okay. and sometimes they will tell me disturb me, and I'm like, wait, that doesn't mean at all that in in Senegal, and they're like, what? Well, that's what it means in Gambia. <laughs> 
And so that's how I noticed that lexically, there are some words that change. And for example, um, we call chebujan our national dish, chebujan, mm-hmm. which literally means rice with fish in, in Wolof. And they call it benchin, which means one pot, one pot dish. Mm. So so it's Wolof, benchin is Wolof, but the dish is called differently. So if you say benchin in Senegal, people are, be, what are you talking about? Nobody will understand what you mean. And if you say chebujan in Gambia, you might be understood, but most likely not. So you see, these are the lexical differences that, that, that exist, but it's fascinating to me it adds it's wonderful that we have a variance of of yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's interesting I recently found out that there is a sizable Gambian community here in the Bronx oh is it yeah Yeah, I was like shocked did not know there were so many Gambian people in the Bronx of all places like in the Bronx like I'm from I'm from the Bronx so I'm like yeah it's like it's great to it's it's great to see like so much diversity I think in in the Bronx when we usually know Queens as being the most diverse part of the city so anyway um I lived in Queens so I know I like I liked it (laughs) right right um yeah so but I I had no I didn't know that Gambian uh you know, Gambian people spoke Wolof, and then it was so different from yeah. Senegalese Wolof. I, I wouldn't say it's as the, I would compare it to maybe what happens in lexically to Spanish in Latin American countries, oh. where sometimes it would change. Not that it's a different language. It's not like like um, I don't know Portuguese and, and and French, where like it's two different languages. So it's not that different. But lexically, lexically, there are some things that are different, just like you would find in the Spanish of Spain and the Spanish of Mexico, they're 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 lexically different, uh, lexical differences. Yeah, I see. I understand. Mm-hmm. And um, the accent. Oh my God! Like, I mean, yeah, tell me about the I accent. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same accent at all. I mean, I Senegalese people are known for having a very distinctive accent. When we speak French, you know immediately. Somebody who knows West Africa knows immediately that we're we're um we're from Senegal because first of all, we speak fast. Mm-hmm. I think uh, your audience might notice when they hear this, like, oh my God, she speaks at the speed of light. <laughs> I'm trying to consciously slow down. But but yeah, we do speak quite fast as Senegalese in Wolof. And that affects the way we speak in in French a little bit. Um, and we have a very distinctive accent compared to the to the Gambian. So when a Gambian speaks, it sounds to me like when a Pearl person from like Vular, a person from the Pearl ethnic in in uh, Senegal speaks Wolof. Mm. So you, I will hear it. It's like when other ethnic speak Wolof in Senegal, I will know sometimes if they're Pular or they're Serer or they're Jula, you know, something like that. So it sounds to me like that, but maybe I'm completely mistaken. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I love, I love, so one thing I love is accents and I love how language changes. I love what people are able to do with language. And I, I think it's like really, I mean, obviously I'm doing this show, so I hope that I love it, but <laughs> you know, I, I love what people are able to do with language. And I always love when, um, you know, especially on a continent like Africa, where the modern borders, you know, they're there, but like, you know, people people cross borders and people were there mm-hmm. long before those borders were implicated, put in place. Yeah, yeah. So I love just actually seeing how regionally across like where, you know, Wolof is spoken or, mm-hmm. or Pular or any language, really. I just love seeing like how 
it spreads out and how it changes. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. It's just... It is, it is. It, and it's a, sometimes it's what people fail to understand. So um, it's both spectrum, like uh, it's both two things. So at the same time, you know, the African continent, I'm, I'm going to talk for West Africa because I won't even pretend I understand the whole continent. Yeah, of but, course, you, know, you, you cannot. Af- it's no, you can't, you can't. Massive. Just, just West Africa is incredibly diverse beyond right. what people imagine and yeah. they cannot believe when I talk to people and I tell them just in Senegal when I compare you know these languages Wolof, Sere, Jula they have nothing to do with each other, each other. we're not mutually mutually understandable um, we we do not have the same culture we don't have the same traditions and, and practices you know and cooking every little thing is different and they have they have trouble believing in, in a small country as Senegal that there's so much diversity but as you said at the same time that diversity um they organically we are similar so so sometimes when I go in Gambia honestly I can't recognize like to me they look Senegalese or maybe Senegalese people look Gambian I don't know whichever you (laughs) decide to say it (laughs) but but to me it's the same people really and Senegal I mean Gambia is inside Senegal so it's the same people um uh to my opinion and so there's the same people with different features, and that's what 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 the the how rich it is, you know, the the diversity there, and uh, and as you just rightfully said it, you know, those countries used to be. I mean, the the in during the for, uh, 13th and 14th uh, century, there was the Jollof Empire, you know, um, just wink wink. That's why Senegal has the Jollof rice, the unique Jollof rice, not Gambian, not 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 Ghanaians or Nigerians. We literally had an empire called the Jollof Empire. I wanted to put that parenthesis right there. But coming back to the Jollof Empire, yeah, so this was a West African, you know, state. It was it was across several countries. And and because of that, never um uh how do you say it? Um it's 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 okay to see, or it's uh, almost um, evident that we're able to see those similarities uh sometimes in the culture. <laughs> I can see already people waiting for to to hit me with with sticks. <laughs> Shots fired. My, Shots fired. But no, I would be I would be uh, I would be dishonoring Senegal if I didn't win that battle here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all love. It's all love, and it's it all is, it's yes. all in good fun. And it's it's funny because I had I've I've had jollof from Nigeria. I've had jollof from uh, Senegal, and I've had uh, like a jollof like a f- African fusion jollof mm-hmm. and that they're all good. They like, are. Yes. They're all good. And I, and I get like, I'm staying out of this, this battle <laughs> because I, this is not my personal lineage. <laughs> so I will be very yeah. diplomatic, but no, like all the ones that I've had, I mean, they've been, they've been different and you know, some are more tomatoey, some are more mm-hmm. or less mm-hmm. tomatoey. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're all, you know, they all have their, their pluses you know yeah um, you know do you know what's more what's even funnier about this battle it's it makes me laugh because traditionally rice is not even part of of something that we would eat so it makes the battle more funny but it's just it's just banter between us so yeah it's always um it's always uh, something that we can start off a conversation between us and joke about so i love to 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 talk about it because it's just something that brings us closer <laughs> that yeah. doesn't divide us at all but but yeah how ironic because um rice is is a very recent development in 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 senegalese history and you know there are many reasons for it yeah yeah um 
this is fun. I like I'm enjoying talking with you. Paula. <laughs> this, is a, this is a lovely conversation. Um, so I know you spent some time in France. Yes. Were you were you in Paris? Yes. Okay. Um, I spent there. Yeah. For Senegalese who are in in Paris, um, mm-hmm. where like where's the community? Where's the Senegalese community in Paris? And are they Wolof speaking? Um, how how has the Wolof and the Parisian French become a thing like how does that um, how did that come together and like where do you see representations cultural representations in Paris of your Senegalese culture I would I would bring it larger I would say in France most of the Senegalese are probably in in Paris and you know Marseille like that's probably where where they would be but the biggest diaspora I'm maybe I'm I'm wrong I haven't checked the data or anything to to confirm this but my hypothesis is that the largest uh, Senegalese diaspora in the world is in Paris that's mm. my hypothesis so there's there's a, uh, I have an anecdote about this because uh, I remember the last uh, presidential elections. I was still living in Paris and I had to go vote. And when I went out in the street, you could you would believe that Senegalese people were the only inhabitants of Paris. I mean, it was only Senegalese people everywhere. And I was like, oh my god, there's so many of us. But but really, it's just because we were going to the same place. But um, so I would say they're everywhere in Paris and large extent Ile-de-France you know which is the the yeah. state where um it's not a state technique but the the department where okay. where Paris is so they're everywhere there I I don't know a single department where I haven't met uh a, a, a Senegalese they're all over France and um it's it's uh, for a very simple reason it's because the colonial ties so it makes sense just like you'll find a lot of um of the Commonwealth in in the UK that's, yeah. that's the same um and um in terms of well so it's difficult to, to answer that question. I would say that you will find two two trends. You know, uh, some parents who will really make it a priority to maintain that cultural um, background for their kids, and they will so they will speak well of at home, maybe to to teach it. I know personal. I personally, I know families who do this, and and you know, it worked out. That's how they thought. Um, because anyway, their their student or their child will learn. Uh, French in school so they they speak only well of at home to maintain mm-hmm. it and I've seen also the complete opposite where you know it's forgotten because the parents themselves have spent a substantial time in in France and so they they've lost themselves much of their culture they don't leave at all the the culture or the religion and so that will transfer also to the to the children who will be no different than the French kids mm. um, so these are the two trends now I, I I just don't know enough to know the proportion of one or the other I would say that there's an economic benefit in uh, stripping I guess the culture because they might think oh my child will, will integrate easier especially that France is one of a kind country in that spectrum mm. where you know the the politically what they aim for is assimilation where you kind of you throw your culture out of the window I'm, I'm 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 harsher on this topic because i've lived it personally but really that's the reality it's like you throw your culture and religion out of the window and then you adopt that's what french uh, government i guess or the french system will yeah. call will call integrating that's a very different notion from integrating in the uk or other anglophone countries with where it's not assimilation it's like oh you can celebrate difference just like in america you can celebrate uh who you are and uh and still you know follow the rules and everything so yeah that's that's why parents will definitely have an incentive into 
just not pushing too much the cultural angle for their children. I have feelings about that. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not afraid to to talk about those things. I, I almost believe that it's not talked about enough and and I do have legitimacy in this case because I'm I'm a product of Senegalese culture born and raised and I'm also a product of, I'm a citizen of the world I've been to enough places and seen different cultures and ways of integrating people that I can allow myself to criticize the French model of integration yeah yeah tell me about the storytelling in Senegalese mm-hmm. culture, I understand that there's a very rich griot culture. Super interesting. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I'm even ashamed, uh, you know, about myself about this for not knowing so much about it too too early in my life because I mean I grew up around you know the sabar uh, culture, which is um, you know our drumming uh, arts. So like the both the art of making it's a very complete. It's a whole industry. The art of making the drums. Uh, you know, and the art of, um, you know, performing with the drums and all the traditional history and story telling that goes with it um, during the ceremonies, weddings, etc. The singing and the praising goes going with it. So it's so rich and there's so much to know about it, especially for historical and... and, and... Record keeping. Yeah, record keeping. Yeah. So that's very, uh, it's an untapped potential almost. And um, yes, as I said, sabar is like the art of drumming and the drums themselves are called Sabar. One name to retain for that is Dudunyai Kumbaros, which is uh, the most prominent drummer uh, of Senegal. And uh, I had the, the, the big, uh, you know, uh, opportunity to uh, to subtitle some of their documentaries. I don't think they're out yet, but, you know, some of the documentaries about uh, them. And uh, and I learned so much, you know, them talking about the art, how their uh, grandfather, this is the grandchildren speaking. So th- there's just so much history there. Um, and obviously you've seen Balakh, which is um, like really the the, tra- the singing. It's not traditional. It has been modernized now a lot, but really it does reuse that drumming it, most of the mm. bass for, for Mbala is actually drumming if you hear it um, and um, and we have something we call Tasu um, Tasu and Tasu is the the way of praising but it's very interesting because those women who do it most, most, mostly it's women they're very educated about the history the lineage of names mm. so if you tell them your last name now it's harder because people marry between ethnies and stuff but if you tell them your name, like my last name, for example, they'd be able to tell you, you know, who your grandparents are, who your who your former grand, wow. uh, like grandpa, great great parents were, um, what the story, what type of people were you, were you travelers, were you nomadic, were you this and that. So it's it's so great when I hear it during weddings. I'm like, oh my god, it's, it's a, how do they do? And obviously they're so proficient um, at it, and it's it's. Uh, extremely clever the way it's like poetry it's like slam so there's the rhythm um the rhymes sorry not the rhythm yeah the rhythm also the rhythm of how they say it you know how you will say a sentence and then wait a bit and then have the sort of the pun or the drop down it's extremely extremely clever linguistically it's clever like just how i can describe it fascinating and uh and so there's all this uh, all this legacy that is that is right there how does this oral tradition moving into the digital mm-hmm, age? Mm-hmm. So right now I am I am I, I would guess uh that 
there is still limited effort into you know keeping this into records uh from the from you know Senegal and the Senegalese government if i can say that i haven't seen at least on my end any giant initiative to 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 record those things before they get lost however um some partners external partners are doing it because i've been contacted several times by you know either universities or or um specific people doing documentaries about Senegal who are trying to get these things you know uh recorded um for studying purposes, especially African studies departments and that type of thing. Mm. So there's an effort there, but to my opinion, um, it's still un, 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 untapped, you know, um, it's still kept orally. And to, to come back to answer really to the, to the question where you were, um, what you were asking about the storytelling, um, it's, it's something that has been here for, I don't know, I mean, it has been here for decades and decades and decades, maybe centuries. Um, and one ethnic to retain for this is the, the gewel. So the gewel are the, the um, in French we say depositaire, but I don't know how to say that in English. So they're the they're sort of the, the gatekeepers for mm. this art. And um, you have the tug, which, which uh, not the tug, um, let me think. Um, Yes, the thugs generally, they're another any that are associated with the arts of making drums too. But um, um, the gewels, excuse me, I remember that. The thugs are more the forger, they're the iron, iron makers, it's something else. But the gewel are the gatekeepers of this art, of the art of making drums. Durin Yakumbros was, was part of uh, that any, And uh, they're just, yeah, they're just um, groups of people and then they pass this out from fathers to son and from mothers to to, to daughters that's how okay. it works yeah and there's most of it is not written anywhere it's really oral completely let's talk about translation um yeah. how has the translation field and and translating you you do what do you do Wolof to french french to Wolof, french and Wolof to I, english like what's I your path french Wolof. English, though all those three in every direction, okay. and uh, and I'm looking into adding Spanish. So oh, okay. I'm here literally for that right now. But uh, um, so yeah, like um, mainly French, Wolof, English, every direction, and um, yeah, what I would say is the major change I've observed is that now there are more and more efforts of uh, localization versus, mm-hmm. uh, or internationalization. Um, uh, into Wolof and if the audience doesn't know what that means it's localization is like you know the effort of transposing a, a product into a different market so how do you transpose I don't know selling one particular product in a French market versus the Senegalese market how do you make I don't know an application that was used in a different country yeah. more easy to use in this country or more understandable that's an internationalization is doing it before the product is made meaning designing product with that in mind so because I started did this in in school and um and i work with clients that do that i've seen just more and more demand into into that sector so now people are seeing the interest in providing um you know material in the in wolof rather than just in french because french is the official language to capture a larger segment of the market so um it's still very niche very tiny but more than i've seen you know more than than ever before um and in terms of translation i would say um most of it is generally in the other direction from wolof to french or from wolof to english mm-hmm. uh at least when it comes to my business it's it's my biggest market okay. now um now in the other direction usually it would be 
I guess, something that, that is cultural that they have to have in Wolof. But because people don't really read in Wolof, in Senegal, you know, it's tricky. So that's the state of, of things right, right now. Um, and based on what I know from the translation industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who wants to work with you, Mm-hmm. and anyone who wants to find you please let us know where we how we can get in touch <laughs> with you online yes so i have a website which is www.thewalloftranslator.com so they can reach out to me and i mean the email is same is the wall of translator at gmail.com um that's where i receive my business uh, inquiries and generally i'm on linkedin and uh, on most social media on in, on twitter and instagram too <laughs> thanks <laughs> i will add those links to the show notes for this episode so that people who are interested <laughs> in wall of translation and you know they and and also learning Wolof as well. Yes, learning the language. We offer many things. So translation, interpretation, transcription, subtitling, um, and and also interpretation. So, mm-hmm. you know, for people working in business and stuff. Yeah. Get in touch, friends. Get in touch <laughs> okay. with Alva. She's amazing. That was the minute of promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch with her. Awa, thank you so much. I really enjoy no, no speaking with you and this conversation. Oh my goodness. It, it, it's a so much fun. <laughs> it's such a pleasure for me. And as I told you, really, I'm, uh, the reason why I accept it is, is primarily that I don't think my culture is discussed enough. Um, you know, <laughs> in some parts of the world, people will be like, what of who? Or like, mm. you know, Senegal, what? Like they have no idea what these things are. So if I can, you know, put a dent into this problem, yeah. I, I would do it every time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this is why I make this show because I want to see content that reflects um languages that like you said people may not even know is a language people may not mm-hmm. even think about it and it's like mm-hmm. but there's this whole country and this whole region here of like amazing beautiful people with delicious food absolutely and a beautiful language absolutely. and you you should care about this like you should care yeah. about this and we're all on this earth together um no, I and, thank you really for yeah. your for your initiative because um as you said, yeah, I think it's incredible to 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 first of all for you as a person to to just go on to this quest of learning more about other languages and cultures. But yeah, providing, you know, providing it to your audience. And uh, yeah, I really invite the audience to learn more about Senegal. I mean the people they, they have one of the most incredible people, you know, they're very generous, they're welcoming, you know, the, the slogan of Senegal is the, the country of Teranga, Teranga being hospitality. So go to Senegal, explore the country, talk to its people and, you know, get, take advantage of this hospitality. Yes, I can't wait. Yes. I actually, one of my best friends, I'm like, hey, can we go to Dakar? Can we go to, I, I want to go in the springtime. I hope I can go, but I keep like, (laughs) he's been a few times. My mom has been, my mom went like 25 years ago. She went. Oh, wow. And like, I, I haven't been, I've only been to Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana Mm -hmm. and South Africa, but it's calling me. Like it's calling me. (laughs) I hear nothing but good things about Dakar and I cannot wait to get there. I cannot wait to go. Um, You have double inspired me to visit (laughs) ASAP Awa thank you Um, no thanks to you (laughs) I like to end each episode on the same question just on a fun a little fun question do you have any jokes 
popular sayings, tongue twisters, mm-hmm. cool slang words, idioms, <laughs> words of wisdom, or words of advice in Wolof to mm-hmm. share and to teach. You got to teach it to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give you two things. One of them is a is a quote or um, like you know something that we say, and uh, it's uh, it's like boy de boy de si al It means so if you're going to die in the forest, let a lion kill you. And I think it's uh, it really it's what it means. It's not so serious. <laughs> what it means is that if you if you started doing such a big effort for you know a big goal, you might as well see it see it through. You know, you might as well see it until the end. And I'm saying this because you know the experience of many international students abroad or people abroad is that yeah, you're far away from your family, so you're living through hard times. And so this is something that I keep in the back of my head to keep me going wherever I am in the world and I miss too much home you know and the second thing is a tongue twister which is very funny I don't know if I can say it but it's like I'll say it slowly so it's like fuki goody no wait fuki buki goody fuki buki bachak <laughs> but I can't say it faster because it's a tongue twister so I'll say it again so fuki buki goody fuki buki bachak Okay. So hard to say. Okay, let's do both of them because I like them both equally. Let's okay. let's start with the quote because I feel like I'm mm-hmm. gonna need that in my life at some point too. Um, <laughs> so the quote is um boy de chal. Uh, boy de chal. Mm-hmm. Nala ganderai. Nala ganderai. Ganderai. Gende. 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 Gainde. Gainde is the lion. Gainde rai. No, gainde. 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 And then rai, rai is to kill. That's why. Gainde rai is to kill. So boy de chal, if you're dying, if you're going to die in a forest, nala gainde rai, let a lion kill you. Boy de chal, nala gainde rai. Oh. Bravo. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And let's try the I'm taking very phonetic notes on what I mean. Yes. <laughs> well, I can write it for you afterwards. <laughs> yes, yes, please do. But um yeah. let's try the tongue twister. Puki buki goody. One more time. Puki buki goody. Is it fuki with an F? Yes. Fuki, buki, goody. goody. Mm-hmm. That means uh, 10 hyenas in the night. Okay. And then fuki, buki, bachak. 10 hyenas during the day. Fuki, buki, bachak. <laughs> yes. Oh <my laughs> but it has cho, ko, go, and then it's so hard to say. I can say it fast. Fuki, buki, goody, fuki, buki, bachak. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got to practice that one. Oh. Yes. So. Fuki buki goody. Fuki buki goody. Fuki buki bacha. Fuki buki bacha. Perfect. Oh. See, got it. Perfect. <laughs> now the challenge is to say it quickly. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. I'm yeah. gonna. I'll practice that. I'll practice. That You're gonna practice it on my own. I won't subject you. I won't subject you to that. But um, thank you for teaching those to me, to us, to all of us. I hope people listening are practicing along with me. Um, this has been such a fun conversation, Awa. <laughs> Before I let you go, um, in Wolof, after you've been speaking to someone for quite some time, 
what would be the best way? You're going your separate ways. What would be the best way to say goodbye? Babene. Babene. Literally, until another, until another time. <laughs> ba -be with a B, babene. Babenen, yeah. Ba means until. Benen literally means another, just another, but it's implied another time. Babenen. Babenen, yes. Babenen. <laughs> yes. Awa. Thank you so much. <laughs> Babenen. Babenen. <laughs> I'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Talk soon. Bye bye.